0: Mr. Lennox,
1: come on. Morning, Harbor City. And morning to my lovely wife. Who I haven't seen in three days. She's just she just oh there she is. <laughs> but come up and join me quick and say hi to everyone. Just quickly. It's a great privilege to be with you. This is a beautiful church. And uh, Vanessa is my wife, and we've got uh, two young kids Kingsley, who's three, and Summer Grace, who is one. And they're a delight, and they are being careful, I believe. I know, yeah. (laughs) I've just walked in here. I haven't even seen all these faces I've
0: seen. I haven't even. Hello. Um, Love you. And everyone's like, yeah, "Yeah, just taking care of us so amazing. Thank you
1: so much. So nice to see you, my love. Okay, let's give her a round of applause. Made it (laughs) on flight. As I said, it's a great privilege to be here, and I just want to commend you guys on just incredibly welcoming environment, community, feel so loved, and feel so honored, and, and just I think anyone who works, walks through these doors can honestly testify to just the love and the genuine authenticity in this place, and, and also um, Nathan and Candace leading us in worship this morning, I can't see your faces, I don't know where you are, sorry, just over there, so beautiful, hey? Such an anointing of the Holy Spirit on just the way you led. And I just want to commend you. You're such a beautiful man. And I really, um, I think God has, has, got you an amazing journey with your, with your job and what's on your heart. And, and I loved hearing your dreams yesterday. And it's just exciting because I, you just know that God is going to work out all those things in His timing, His way. And I love how you just relaxed about it. You're at peace about what God is doing currently in your life you don't understand it all but it's it's awesome it's wonderful i have felt a word for harbor city church yesterday um, as uh, i was walking on the beach which is a great uh you know privilege. I get to walk around on coal dumps or something, a prayer walk on, you know, stainless steel factories. It's, it's, I'm from Middleburg. Anyone familiar with Middleburg? No? Okay. Yes. Okay. A couple of you. All right. We won town of the year, like a couple of years in a row. Uh, yeah. I took that title of Woodbank a few times. Anyway. Um, but I don't, I think that was in Pumalanga only. Uh, it's kind of like a, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a nationwide event. Anyway. Um, But Middleburg is a a great place. I actually took over church from uh, from my parents three years ago. They planted in 1984. But before I tell you that story, let me just, I want to be faithful to this word. I really felt that Harbor City would be a exporter of precious cargo. Precious cargo. You guys are precious. Each and every single one of you. And God is wanting to do stuff in your life, wanting to build you up wanting to add things into your life that you've never had before, wanting to make sense of the things that he has gifted you with by birth, the things that um, he's put into you in your DNA. Um, and I believe he's wanting to, in his way, process it, make sense of it, add, equip you, build you up. And for some of you, he's going to send you out. And you're going to be a blessing where you go. And I think that's going to be an ongoing story, and pattern of this church. Gonna be something worth celebrating. Not, are oh, we losing people? Are oh, we sending people out? Exporter of precious cargo. But here's my little pastoral encouragement to each and every one of you. If you can, rec- if you would receive it. There's a, there's a, there's a marker on, on a cargo ship's hull. Some of you probably know this better than I do. I'm not a ship expert. It's called the Plimsoll line or the Plimsoll mark. Anyone heard of that term before? Anyway, that's basically the line. That indicates when the cargo ship is optimally loaded. So too light and that line's probably exposed, it's not on the waterline. Too heavy, that line or that mark is below the waterline, you've got to take stuff off. And I just felt pastorally for each of us that we should pay attention to that marker in our lives. We should, In other words, we should allow God to fully do and fully load what He wants to do in our lives in this place. If you call Harbor City your home, or if you feel like God is planting you in this church, maybe you're new and you feel like, hey, God wants me to be here. Don't ever leave out of frustration or because there's in your eyes there's the next best thing. You wait till God is fully loaded up what He's doing in your life in this place. And you wait for His timing to send you out at the right time. And some of you will go... And come back and be reloaded. And some of you will go, and you might not come back. But the point of your going is to be a blessing and to take that precious cargo to other places. Amen? Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter 2. As I was saying, we lead a church that we took over from my parents in Middleburg. In Pumalanga, my dad is from Greytown. Any Greytownites? I'm um, no Port Shepston. Sorry, my mom is from Greytown. Any people from those two places? So my dad, um, my dad is is quite slender, like me, and uh, and uh, he inherited a, a Zulu uh, a nickname for mouse. Um, they used to call him Gundi for short, um, and uh, and and that's just kind of the, the the stature of my dad. He's he's he's, he's not an imposing big man. He's Uh, people in the church have often over the years tried to give him tablets like wait put on tablets you know this will make you hungry and go to the pantry seven times but I've been amazed my dad got radically saved in his mid-twenties he went and went and tried to discover his life didn't have a a, a present father his dad spent most of his life at the golf course clubhouse and um, came home late at night drunk and uh, my dad um, never grew up with the privilege of being in a nice safe Christian home he witnessed a lot of Scary moments, fighting in the home. My dad got radically saved through reading a Gideon's Bible on a travel trip once. And, um, and then he felt called to the ministry. Met my mom at, at about 27 and was instrumental in leading some of my mom's family to the Lord, including her parents. And um, then my dad and my mom worked for Sasco Bakery and they were called to plant a church in Middleburg. But they, um, they first spent some time in Harry Smith, Sasco Bakery, and then they went to Middleburg and Pomalanga. And I remember it was quite a hard thing for my mom, giving up the rolling hills of the Midlands for the dry, dusty highveld and, um, and that was back in the early 80s. Planted the church in 1984 in a small little um, uh, house in a suburb called Denesach. And, uh, and today churches got a, a property... Um, parking has been overflowing in the last couple of weeks. Um, We had 180 kids in kids' ministry, which has been unprecedented. And we're living in the fulfillment of dreams and prophecies that, that they were expecting for their whole lives. And I get to walk into this in three years and just see God do so many things that were on their hearts. And so it's a story I carry. I've seen God's faithfulness. I've seen God's faithfulness. He will not let you down. He will not let you down. You will not be shortchanged. One Peter to turn in your Bibles. we are not going to read there just yet. I want to um, ask you here, who here has loved the feeling of loneliness? <laughs> who loves being sad and all alone? I'm not talking about uh, introverts who like to uh, be in peaceful solitude. I'm talking about a deep pain of feeling like no one's by your side. Like, actually, I'm trying to struggle through this, and no one understands who I am. No one actually gets me. I wonder if you love that feeling. <laughs> Sometimes it can be like kind of a cool thing, like, it's me against the world, you know, but we get tired of that. It's not that awesome, eventually. I wonder if you, uh, if you are here and you love the pressure of trying to make your destiny come true. Like, your life is up to you. And you better not mess it up. You better make your dream life happen. Anyone lived under that pressure of, I've got to make my life a success, and it all depends on me. And it may or not work out like that. I may or may not get those opportunities for it to be awesome. It may not be as cool as what I'm seeing in other people's lives on social media. But it's all up to me. I wonder if you love that pressure. Or who, who here loves to be shortchanged? Or who loves being had? Who loves being taken for a ride? Anyone? I guess the answer to all these questions is no. No one here loves these things, right? I remember um, that uh, once we were waiting for a bus. We lived in Sydney for a little while. We lived on a beach in a a suburb called Maroubra, and uh, and my friend and I, Darren, Darren actually is back in Durban. He's a fellow Durbanite. We were waiting for a bus on Maroubra beachfront to go into Sydney City, we had an appointment together, and um, and, the, and the bus comes every hour. So if you miss it, you've missed your opportunity. You've definitely messed up your day. And uh, And we were waiting there, and we had about 10 minutes, and the bus was, you know, sometimes the bus can be a little bit late. Anyway, a tradie, which is Australian for tradesmen, uh, pulls up, and they're, they're about, they're doing a fit-out in a, a four-bedroom uh, um, apartment remodel. And they're just about a whole a big glass sliding door upstairs. And this guy looks over us, and uh, in a great Australian accent, says, "G'day, mate. Do you mind helping us? I'll give you twenty dollars." So he did it so confidently that Darren and I both kind of got drawn into the moment, and you know we had like seven minutes; our bus could be coming, and we were like, "Ah, we can help this guy out." So I went over and said, "Hey, bro. You know, the Christian in me came out. We'll help you for free. Don't worry. You know." Anyway, not expecting him to, you know, kind of abuse that offer, but anyway, I mean, we were giving up our time, so we haul this thing up, get to the top floor, put the door in, ready to rush down, thanks, cheers, look downstairs, he's looking with us, there comes our bus, and there goes our bus, missed the bus. We barely get a thank you from the guy, let alone like, hey, I know you said you'd do it for free, but here's the $20 anyway, kind of ungrateful. I remember Darren and I getting to the bus stop at the bottom, and Darren looks at me and says, bro... We've just, been had. We've just been short-changed. We've just given up our bus ride, and we didn't get $20, and the guy wasn't even really that grateful for our nice <laughs> Christian ethic. Anyway, uh, you could say that we were short cha- So I gather no one loves this. Hey? No one loves the deep pain of loneliness, pressure of having to make your best life happen. No one loves feeling spat out, empty-handed, after being deceived by an empty promise or a good proposition that never brought the life and the fulfillment and the happiness that we were hoping for. But i got good news for us from the Word of God is that Jesus not only delivers us totally from our sins and gives us this gift of eternal life that spares us from what the Bible says eternal death, eternal death, eternal separation from God, but He actually saves us from the realities, the harsh realities of these things that I've just described. Being all out on your own, everything depending on you. And you know what it leads to? That, sat- that, that deeply unsatisfying feeling of like, I've been shortchanged. Life has not amounted to all that I hoped it would amount to. I wonder if you can identify with any of those three things this morning. 1 Peter 2, verses 4 to 10. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves are like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. The Message Version says, Will no, have no cause to regret it. My own version says, I'm going to do a really solid ground thing this morning and say, can you say a people? A people for his own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Lord Jesus, I just pray That this word would sink deep into our souls this morning. Holy Spirit, that you'd radically change the way we view our lives in Christ. In Jesus' name. I pray that you would come and set us apart this morning in a fresh new way. That you'd make us alive to the mission of our lives that you've called us into. The identity that you've given us, Lord. The whole new radical way of life that we've been saved into. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk... The the, the title of my message is you, the church, and the call of God. I just want to talk about those three things and how they work together as believers in Jesus this morning. You. Let's talk about you. According to this scripture, as believers, you were once out on your own. It says rejected in the sight of men. You were once on your own, rejected and lonely. But now we are at home in God's family. Point number one. Now we are at home in God's family. Don't you love a great host? Have you ever felt welcomed home? I've just spent the weekend with an amazing couple, Brendan and Melissa. I mean, Kimmy. <laughs> Some of you know Ryan Matthews. Anyway, inside joke. Brendan and Kimmy, and I've just been blown away. I felt undeserved at their hospitality. Hey, can I make you tea? Hey, here's our, we've, we've given you one, up one of our children's rooms. Come and use the room. Uh, ha- take what you need, open the fridge. It's such a beautiful feeling to walk from being tired after travel, a long day, to come into a home and realize I'm in a place of peace and I'm loved. And I don't deserve this, but it's beautiful. And that's what God does for each one of us. He doesn't just save us and sort our lives out individually. He brings us into a family, a spiritual house. Galatians 6 verse 10 describes our placement as we are part of the household of faith. This is radical. It's not you, your Christian life, and go make it out there. Your whole placement has changed as a believer in Christ. You're now part of a family, a people. So the world, I think, tries to smooth over the pain of loneliness. and tries to celebrate it, As my own thought. But we hail it as individualism. The habit or principle of being independent and self-reliant. And so the world provides tools and stimulants that can enable this way of living to feel a little less painful. You against the world, do it for you. Be whoever you want to be. Try and make it happen on yourself, just you and your smartphone together. But Psalm 68 verse 6 says this, God places the lonely in families, and he sets the prisoners free and he gives them joy. This is the radical statement I hope would sink into your souls from this. God says that in verse 9 in 1 Peter 2, he says, You are chosen. He says, You're a people of his own possession. That's a strong term. That's someone who's come in and taken ownership of something. Whereas you were were trying to take responsibility for your own life. And, And by the way, none of us were doing a good job of it. And God says, Come here, you are alone and far off. Come into my household. I take responsibility for you. You are my possession. now. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. A household has a father, has brothers and sisters, has a family culture. And this is what we've been saved into. 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. Paul's like double emphasizing that point. We're the children of God, our Father in heaven. That is what we are. We have brothers and sisters. Romans 8.29 says that Jesus is the one who we're becoming like. He's the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. We're a family. And there's a family culture. Have you ever walked into a home and they've got the... I used to think they're kind of cheesy, but if you have them in your home, I've learned to realize it's not cheesy. It's actually a great thing. But like the poster that says, in this house, you know, we love each other. We don't smack each other in the face. In this house, we don't eat all the food without telling mom that we've eaten all the food. So she knows that we've eaten all the food. You know, stuff like that. In this house, in this house, we show mercy. This is a household of mercy. In this house, this is the culture of God's kingdom. We love enemies. For in so doing, we will be like our Father who is in heaven, who makes the sun to shine even on the unrighteous and sends his rain to fall even on those who hate him. It's the culture of this home. You and I have radically changed. See, this church, Harbor City Church, is not the household of Grant and Michelle. It's not the household of a bunch of leaders who thought it was a good idea to start a church in this school space. This is the household of God. It's the household of God, Jesus' is possession. And you've invited every single one of us initially to come in through the only door, and that's Jesus. If you don't know Jesus this morning, since in surrendering in our lives to Him that we get welcomed into the household of God. But maybe you're here this morning and you believe in Jesus, but you've actually forgotten you're part of a household, and you're trying to fight it out on your own. You're trying to make your own life happen, maybe apart from the family of God, or apart from the fact that your whole life placement is actually into a family, a household. And I want to call you to rethink from the Word of God what God has done in your life and where He's placed you. Peter says that we were once on a path of futility, but now we have a purpose described as acceptable. And that word acceptable, there's a better word for it. I don't think the ESV has done such a great job but it actually means looked upon with great favor. In other words, pleasing. So we're living in futile ways. What we do now in God's presence as His people, the sacrifices we make, what we apply our lives to in being a part of His church and and, and doing our jobs with the joy of the Lord and being a witness and, and serving and loving and giving of our time and our talents and treasure and being giving ourselves into the family of God, this is a pleasing, acceptable, favored sacrifice for, for God. God is pleased with your life. I don't know about you, that brings me a lot of peace. Ultimately, God's opinion about me is the most important one. You are not the master of your own destiny. It says that we have been saved from the path of futility, and now we have a destiny that's described in Peter's words as marvelous light. So if I think about God's creation and whatever he's made that is marvelous and light whether it be you know the brightness of the sun I mean these are all physical representations of something of God's glory and our destiny is what Peter can best describe as marvelous light. Marvelous light for you for you that's our destiny in the household of God. Before God stepped into our life, you can take all your gifts, you can take your work, your hard work, you can plot and plan, you can make money, you can travel the world, you can tick off the achievement box. But our end was and always would be death of an eternal nature. And the guy who wrote Ecclesiastes actually realized this and he says, Ecclesiastes 1, vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. What does a man gain by the toil which he toils under the sun? There was no alternate ending. I asked Grant last night, what's that Netflix show that everyone's watching? Black Mirror Bandersnatch, apparently. Do you know about it? Anyway, you can kind of choose your ending. Choose the way you move through the story. Bit of a uh, a series revolution. But there's no alternate ending. If We don't place our hope in Jesus. There is no alternate ending. We can sit and wonder, well, if I said yes to that career choice, I mean, I've met people in this where, where their whole lives is, is literally about their 70, 60, 70 years on earth. And there's always a wondering, Ah, would it have been better if I had made that decision instead of this one? Christ comes to set us free from that anxiety. To set us free because we're not the master of our own destiny anymore. We're in a household and we're given a new role and a new task. And what is it? We are now priests serving in the household of God. A spiritual household, which is eternal. One that outlasts our present physical reality. We have a new work in the new household. This is likened to sacrifices that are pleasing and acceptable to God. 1 Peter 1.18 says, "'Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with per- perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot.'" The third thing is that we were about to be shortchanged, or some of us may have not felt like it. Maybe life was good. Maybe life is good. But I've lived long enough to see the end result of everyone that does not put, in my life, has not put their trust in Jesus and being freed from the futility of the path that they were on. And eventually it hits. This is not what was cracked up to be. I remember walking the streets of Sydney, the most beautiful city that I've ever been in, possibly. and Walking in an area called King's Cross. And I looked at person after person that had aged, was sitting on the street, had nowhere else to go. Sorry for the graphic representation, but some of them pushing needles in their arm at 6, 7 o'clock in the morning. And I kind of had a glimpse of some of these people's stories just in my heart. There was once upon a time when they were drinking their full of what they thought would bring them great pleasure. And it was so sad to see that they had been spat out by the empty promises of this world and the pattern that it follows. And there was nothing left. Like a shadow of the man they used to be. A shadow of the woman they used to be. And Christ comes and he's, I'm just dropping everything this morning. He saves us from this. He saves us from this. We will not be shortchanged. Peter says, Whoever trusts in this stone as a foundation will not be put to shame. You will not get to the end of sowing your life into God's purposes in his household, giving of your time because he saved you, giving of your talents, your treasure, and stand at the end and say, Lord, you never really made good on your promise. You will stand and rejoice. And you will be filled with awe and fulfillment that no one can describe. You will not be shortchanged. I love this quote by Carl Lentz. He says, the least we get, if if the story of the thief on the cross next to Jesus is true, the least we get is paradise with Jesus. Because he did nothing good with his life. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. So the church is a spiritual household. We're the people of God, God's possession. And Christ is the cornerstone. He's the way in, and He's the way of this new life. He's everything. He's our Savior, our Master, our King, our life, our death, our resurrection, our front runner, runner. the one who prays for us night and day, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Jesus is praying for you. He is 100% committed to you, He will never fail you. This is what we saved into. And now we are living stones in this household. I don't know about you, but this is a radical change of life. This is not, I become a Christian and then I follow the pattern of the world. This is a whole new way of living. This, I, w- I was lonely and now I'm in a family. This is, I was trying to do my own destiny on my own. And it was very hard and I was very anxious at moments in my life. And I was buckling under the weight of trying to make the good life happen. And Jesus has saved me from that. And He's given me a new purpose. And He's given me His Spirit. And He's given me the family and the tools. And, and He's praying for me. And He's with me. And He's the master of my destiny. In fact, He's determined my destiny. It's called marvelous light. So I readily began to think about this. And I think, you know, church is not an event we attend. We're a great organization that we back with a bit of our time and effort but it's a household that we are placed into. It's our heritage. We are the people of God. You and I are the people of God. The life of the Christian and the body of Christ, his church, they go hand in hand, not one without the other. And in church, our identity in Christ is strengthened. Our purpose is manifested. And our destiny is inextricably bound to Christ and his church. You and I, in some sense, have been bound together into a new family. Not in a weird way, in a God way. I hope this is good, Grant. Please, correct me if I say anything weird. And I feel like I've spent most of my Christian life learning this fact. I was born into the church. (laughs) Second baby, in fact. Great accolade. They used to call me Preacher James. They used to get up three or four years old, stand at the pulpit after my dad had completed a Sunday. Used to act like I was preaching. There used to be this old like weird, funny ministry called Power Team or something. Anyone remember Power Team? Good. I'm so glad you've never seen it. Anyway, there's a group of Christian guys that thought it was a good idea to evangelize the world with showing off their brute force. Like they used to they used to like, you know, they used to be like Christ is powerful and then break a bunch of bricks, you know? <laughs> But if you were three or four years old, that was the goal. It was the dream. It was the dream. Anyway, church has gone through some interesting phases in its history. And uh, and I left church to go study in Pretoria. Attended a great church called 3CI. A couple of years, ended up leading youth ministry. There came a time where I kind of, I wouldn't say that I doubted God's ways and Just went through a little time of wandering, and my wife was gracious enough to come with me on the journey. And uh, we went to a church in Sydney, so we're still in the church. But I remember it was a period of holding back on church in my life. So we went to a fairly large church in Sydney, Australia. And I remember like knowing from past experience that people will easily recognition my recognize my passion for the church. So I need to dull this down a little bit. Don't stack out the chairs too valiantly. Don't don't give too, you know, just half-heartedly give to youth ministry because people might recognize something on your life that you are a willing and able servant of Jesus and that actually you love doing that. And then, they, you know, they're going to say to you, hey, can we give you more responsibility? So, like, I'm trying to avoid that at all costs, you know. Now, that's how I kind of lived three years. At the same time, I was trying to make a band happen, a little personal sideshow dream. I thought, that'd be great, I Thought, How about, ministry can come at some point in my life, but how about famous band before then, would be a great plan. And um, I tried everything. The funny thing is I entered a Christian college for one year, which actually had a three-year period, but I only did one year. But I actually ended up spending three years in the church environment anyway. ended up working in the church for two years, trying to make the band happen. When I look back now, I could have just done three years of college. I'm saying so much was I kind of trying to Trying to do my own thing, but kind of stay connected to God's house. So it's like trying to, I was trying to live in two places at at once in some ways. And, um, And that was where we were at in Sydney for a long time. And ended up going to America, trying to force some doors down for this band to make it. And I realized that the music industry was a bigger world than I realized, it was a harsher world than I realized, it was a more empty world than I realized. And no discredit, if you're in music, I think there's, if you're gifted and God has called you into that place, it's amazing things that can happen. But I was, in my life, I felt, if I look back at it right now, I was trying to do something I wasn't quite designed to do. And the end result could have been a lot worse had not been for God's grace and His mercy, but I could have blown it. I could have made a right real mess of things. And there was a point in my life when I realized these truths about me, that I can't model my life according to the pattern of the world. I'm not talking about everyone being called to full-time ministry. I'm not talking about that aspect of my journey. I just realized I was, when I was born again, I was designed to be in the household of God, fully passionate, giving my all, my purpose being manifested in an, as a part of the family of God. I was not my own. I was bought with a price. I came to that realization. I remember sitting in Nelsprate. We had come back to South Africa to We'd blown all our money. Well, I had blown all my wife's hard-earned money on trying to make a band happen. And I remember just surrendering before God. I remember we visited some friends and family of ours and their kids were climbing all over me. And I just felt God just speak to me in that moment. Just surrender to me. Surrender to how I've made you, where I've placed you, what I've called you to, the mission that I've put on your heart. You cannot, You can't run from it. It's... This is what I figured out. You are happiest where God has you. You are happiest where God has called you to be. So it was a personal surrender moment for me. But it ended up happening as we went back to Sydney. I got a job. and I just started serving hard in the church. I was working in an accounting field, which is what I studied. I know, banned accounting. Anyway. And it's like the cogs of God's call upon my life started to turn in a radical way it's like I needed that moment of surrender to God's ways his household and the next minute with ease the next steps of our life just started to make sense it's like there was peace in our lives there was there was there was there was growth and development in our marriage there was there was wholeness there was healing there was there was a sense of community there was a sense of I don't need to strive for this thing. I need to place myself in the house of the Lord, which is what I've been designed to do. And so just when I kind of nearing the end, talk about the call of God in your life. This is what I've learned. The call of God is what you've been set apart for. And it will include your gifts and your talents and your passions. And your personality type and your location and your job and your opportunities. We'll include all these things. But the Christian life doesn't work as it was intended outside of the family of God. I know that's a bold statement, but I really believe it with all my heart, out of personal experience, that we won't experience the full blessing, the fulfillment of what God has called us to if we take ourselves out of the household in which He has placed us. If we view our lives as separate, another entity, and the church is another compartment of my life. But what I've learned is not to compartmentalize my life. Just live with wisdom through all that is life. My life is now James, son of God, placed in the household of God. Given priesthood, meant to make sacrifices that are pleasing and acceptable to God. I wonder if you would receive that this morning. If you're trying to strive, or you're worried about your future, or you're like, Lord, this is great, love being in Harbour City now, but what about the things that I'm still hoping for? Don't you worry. You make peace with what God has called over your life as a son and daughter of God. And you just be in this place, and you watch what he will do with all those fragments that, quite frankly, we all actually don't know how they all fit together in God's way. We have a creative gift. We have a, a business gift. And we can go out on our own and try and make that thing sing. But ultimately, God is the one that knows how to bring those pieces of the puzzle together in a way that is most fulfilling and brings him most glory. So I want to give you a couple of practical steps. Maybe the band can come up. I want to call you right now. Where are you sitting? I want to give you a couple of things. Some of them personal to me. But I want to ask you to surrender this morning. Maybe maybe you're lonely. Maybe you're lonely. And you've actually not received the fact that God has placed you into a household. You've actually not bought in on a whole level. Lord, actually, I'm not here as an attender. These are my people. Maybe you're striving to make your destiny come true, make your best life happen. Maybe you're struggling under the weight of comparison with everyone else on Instagram that appears to be making great things of their life. But I feel like you need to surrender before God with who He's made you to be. And fully embrace the mission and the calling that He has for you in this place, in His people. And if that's Harbor City Church for you, then I want you to surrender to that this morning. Another little piece of advice. How do we follow God and His call upon our lives? I'd say we start with the general and we let Him lead us into the specifics. When you study medicine, you don't start with being a brain surgeon. You start with a BSc. You start with the general functioning of the body, GP, general practice. And then you led on your journey to being a specialist. And I believe that's how God works. And that's what's been evident in my life. That you plug yourself into church community. You give, you serve, you read your Bible, you pray, You read the Word of God. You do what it says. You start with the general revealed will of God in His Word. And God will make sense of that thing that you dream and hope for. God will make sense of that gift that you so wish there was an outlet for. God will lead you into those specifics. I want to encourage you to bring your best in faith. 1 Peter 4 verse 10 says, God has given each of you a gift from His variety of spiritual gifts. So use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God were speaking through you. That's bold. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus and all glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. The fourth thing I want to say is don't live in two places at once. If Harbor City is where you're called to be, then be here with all you've got. Not partially, not one foot in the now, one foot in the hopeful future or the maybe future. Be here. Be in one place. We're designed to be in one place, not in two. When I say to you, give it time. Give it time. You know, many of us struggle because we place ourselves in the household and we're like, okay, James, I'm going to give this a shot. I'm going to accept God's peace. I'm going to surrender to his will. I'm going to stop trying to make my own things happen in my own strength and I'm going to I'm going to live love serve I'm going to allow the family of God to speak into my life I'm going to submit to leadership of the church I'm going to enjoy this process of community not just a handshake on a Sunday but actually to know and be known to open up my decision making to people with credibility and wisdom And all of a sudden, it doesn't happen as quickly as you want. You, kind of, you put a little time limit on that process. You're like, well, you know, if I do that, Lord, I hope that then soon that everything's going to change. I'm going to end up getting to do what I really wanted to do. And I just want to say, that's not the way we can approach it. You need to give it time. God's processes are deep, and they can take a long time. And I'm here to tell you at the ripe old age of 33 turning 34, so I'm by no means old. But in my short life, I've realized that God's processes are long and they're worth it. Let's not get frustrated. Don't try over-engineer the process. Don't try think two steps ahead for God. Lord, okay, cool, I'm going to get stuck in a kid's ministry, so great, Lord. Once I do that, then you're going to unlock all the doors and I'm going to get on with my own life. I'm saying, like, I'm going to give you a little bit of my, me and then you're going to give me what I really want. No, you, surrender is actually, Lord, you know what? I actually I let go of the right to determine my future on my own terms. And I say, Lord, take me where you want me, because where you want me is where I'm going to be happiest in my life. Protect your heart from offense. It's easy to get offended in church. I've never met one happy person who's left the church because of offense and living outside of the church, offended with the church. It's never a nice story. And all grace and peace to you. If you've walked in here... And you've been offended with the church, I want to say that God wants to heal your heart. And I'm sure from the leadership of this church, there's a huge welcome home. And that you can come here and once again have your, your, your vision of the church restored and your love for God restored. Let me end with this. Psalm 27, verse 4 to 5. One thing I have asked of the Lord. That I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble, and he will conceal me under the cover of his tent, and he will lift me high upon a rock. Let's pray. Why don't we stand together? We're going to worship in a moment. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray right now, Lord Jesus, that you would lead people to a place of surrender that would bring them much peace and joy. I pray that you declare over people's lives right now, you are my priests. You are called to me, to live for me in my household. And I have a purpose and a destiny for you that is satisfying and rich with mercy and joy and life to the full. I pray for people this morning, Lord Jesus, that are struggling to receive that. I pray for anyone here that doesn't know Jesus as the Lord and Savior, the Lamb that was slain on our behalf to pay for our sins, the door into the household of God. It's putting our full trust in the work of Jesus, the finished work of Jesus. The cross is greater than our sin and our shame. I pray that right now, if there's anyone here that says, Lord, I want to know you. I, I I want my guilt and my shame to be taken away. I want new life in you. I pray that they would realize they can surrender before Jesus in this moment. And say, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. And I give you my life. Come and be Lord of my life. Amen. Let's sing.
0: Love light. It's breaking the dark, yes. It's bringing the light. Soften the heart of stone. Your love is a light. It's breaking the darkness. It's winning the fight. It's bringing the awe. Love is a lie. It's breaking the darkness. It's bringing the light to soften the heart of stone. Your love is a lie. It's breaking the darkness. It's, it's winning the fire. Fight. It's bringing the orphan tando som do louco louco lua pela lua muso muso
1: I believe God is ministering to people's hearts, relieving you of the stress of, of, of trying to make your own life happening. Maybe it's a, a real revelation you're part of the household of God. But I also believe this. Grant was speaking to me about where this church is at. I was hearing the amazing testimonies of, of what's happening in Alpha. You guys are reaching the city with the gospel. And people here are responding to call to leadership, call to apply yourselves in the house of God, taking up the gifts and talents God has given you and and actually using it for God's glory. And I feel like there's a setting apart this morning. For everyone who would believe. For everyone here to say, Lord, you're actually calling me. You're calling me, God, to be a minister. A priest. Like I said before, I'm not, call, I'm not here to say everyone's got to sell up shop and get into full-time ministry. I'm talking about we're all full-time priests. In the house of God. So I'm going to ask the... Um, just the deacons and, 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 and those leaders that have been asked to come and pray. We want to pray for you. I feel like God is wanting to call people out to, to come and take a step and say, Lord Jesus, I want to respond to your call to be a part of the mission of this household. I want to give my life to your household of faith, what you're doing across the earth, your work of reconciliation in people's lives. It's a, it's a matter of life and death for people. It's bigger than a matter of me getting to outwork my personal dream But in the process, how gracious is God that we experience absolute fulfillment and satisfaction with how he's made us as it's linked in with this call upon our lives. So can I ask those that are going to pray? Why don't you come to the front? Because we're going to, on the sides, on the sides. Great. If that's you this morning, you say, Lord Jesus, I've actually, whether you've been in no man's land, whether you've been maybe struggling with something in your in your heart about how you place the church and your life and the call of God in your life, if you want to respond to God and say, Lord Jesus, I'm all in with what you've called me into, and where you're taking me in the mission upon my life, I'm all in. Would you come and just be prayed for this morning? Would you come and be prayed for? The second group of people here this morning, and I really feel this, that You've been struggling with those feelings that are described. Loneliness, not feeling part of the, of the family, feeling like you're out on your own. Maybe you've been feeling very stressed out about the responsibility of life upon your shoulders. And I believe Jesus wants to, he wants to remove that burden off your shoulders this morning. And some of you have struggled with the fact, Lord Jesus, will you do me good? If I, if I go your way, Jesus, is it going to result in life? and goodness and you've kind of like i don't know i i still have this life and i and i still and i feel like now's the time to surrender before god if that's you, and you want to surrender before god and say lord jesus come and take come and free me from those those burdens and set me apart set me apart for your purposes i'm here why don't you come forward let's pray